0: Happy Independence Day, everyone. I wanted to uh, just say a quick prayer for our country before we begin, and uh, we're going to continue on with our Philippians series, so why don't we pray. Father, on this Independence Day, we want to thank you for the freedom that you bought for us. Uh, We want to recognize that living in the United States, but then also spiritually, the freedom that you have given us in Christ. So I pray on this day that... um, our country would come and to to seek after you, and that you would be known in our country. I pray for all of our leaders. I pray for those that we might not even agree with, but that we want to pray and intercede for, the ones that are making important decisions for our country and for our future. We want to lift them up to you, and we want to dedicate this country to you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, I'm really glad to see you here today. I feel like it's uh, coming back to things are back to normal. You know how I uh, really got a sense of that yesterday? I was shopping at Costco, uh, one of my favorite stores, and uh, you know what I saw? Samples. They are giving out samples at Costco. I cannot lie; that made me very happy when I could have a, a sample at Costco, and I felt like things are getting back to normal. So I really. Uh, excited about that. I'm really excited about kind of the new life that's kind of bringing as we're stepping into reengaging things and and coming back together. So really want to encourage you guys uh, with that. Well, we've been going through a series in the book of Philippians, uh, Joy at All Times. So we want to continue with that this morning. So we'll start off by looking at a verse that I feel like uh, is very misinterpreted at times. It's verse uh, chapter 2, verse 12. Okay, so let's take a look at that. So then, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not, uh, as, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Okay, so verse 12, I think, is a verse that you may have heard before. And I think often we can take this the wrong way. Okay, and Actually, when we look at this verse, this verse seems to be contrary to another verse that we highlighted in chapter 1, which is chapter 1, verse 6, that says, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you, talking about salvation, talking about the gospel, he who began a good work in you, he's going to carry it on to completion, talking about God. God's going to be the one who's going to carry us on until completion. Okay, when we look at this verse, it seems like it's saying the opposite. It's saying that who needs to carry it on? You do, and I do. We need to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Okay, so when we look at this verse, it seems like it's going against what we talked about in Philippians 1.6. But when we look at it more closely in the context, we'll realize that's actually not true. Okay, so in verse 12 it says, uh, "...to work out your salvation with fear and trembling." Verse 13 gives the reason why. For it's God who is at work in you, both to will and to work uh, for his good pleasure. So when we read verse 12 and verse 13 together, we really get the context of what he's saying. You need to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Why is there fear and trembling when we're working out our salvation in the sanctification process? Because God is present. He is the one working inside of you. There's reason to have fear and trembling when we're going about our Christian life, but it's not because we have so much fear and trembling on our own pressure for us to work it out, but it's because that God is present. Okay, look at this passage in Isaiah. This paints a good picture of what I think that Paul is talking about here. Isaiah chapter 6, verses 3 through 5. This is Isaiah saying, And one called out to another, Holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. Actually, is there another? Okay. Let me say that. Okay, let's start here. And one who called out to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the threshold trembled at the voice of him who called out while the temple was filling with smoke. Okay, when you look at this passage in Isaiah 6, it talks about Isaiah seeing the Lord on the throne. And the verses right before this said the, thro- the, the throne is getting filled with his, the robe of his temple. And when we look at this idea, it's, it's Isaiah getting a picture of seeing God himself. And look at his reaction. He says, then I said, woe is me, for I am ruined. I, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. In Isaiah chapter 6, we get a, a glimpse, or Isaiah gets a glimpse, of what it's like to actually see the Lord. And it's terrifying to him. For him to be able to actually get a glimpse of God in all of his glory, to get a picture of the seraphims who are around the throne, saying, "Holy, holy, holy is this God." The voice of Him shakes the foundations of the throne and shakes the foundations of the earth. This mighty God that Isaiah is seeing, this is the one who's at work in you and me. When we look at Philippians chapter twelve, uh, chapter two, verse twelve and thirteen. There's reason that we have fear and trembling when we're working out our salvation. It's because this God is working in you and me. This God who brings fear and trembling. This God who every knee shall bow and every tongue confess. This God that brings fear because there's so much power and so much glory in his presence. This God is at work in you and me. Is there a reason to have fear and trembling? yeah, in sight of such an awesome and holy God that there is fear and there is trembling at the sight of the Lord's presence in our life. So when Paul encourages us to work out our salvation with fear and trembling, he has this in mind. He's saying work out your salvation with fear and trembling because you need to recognize who's at work in you. You need to recognize who's present inside of you. This Isaiah six passage that's talking about the Lord's presence—that God is working inside of you. As much as we talk about God as our Father and as God as our Savior and God as our friend, we have to balance it, knowing that this God also exists—the one who created the universe, the one who's more powerful than anything the one that everyone would fear and tremble, the one who people fall down on their feet, this God is also that God. And that God is working inside of us. That's an incredible privilege to know that this God is working inside of us. that we need to recognize that. This is important for us when we think about our Christian life. This is important for us as we're thinking about the sanctification process. After you become saved, what does the Christian life look like? We have to keep this in mind that this is what the Christian life looks, looks like is that this God is at work in us. Okay, and it's important when we look at the, the next part of this section. Let's look at the rest in Philippians uh, chapter 2, verse 14 to 16. It says, Do all things without grumbling or disputing, so that you will prove yourself to be blameless and innocent children of God, above reproach in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, among whom you will appear as lights in the world, holding fast the word of life so that in the day of Christ I will have reason to glory because I did not run in vain or toil in vain. Okay, so Paul is getting really excited here. In fact, all of this we just read, is one sentence. Okay, it's kind of a run-on sentence for those of you who are English people. Okay, so my wife would point that out. This is a run-on sentence cuz Paul is just so excited. He can't stop. He doesn't pause. Right? He's talking about us being a light in the world. Being a light amidst this world that's full of corruption, that's full of perverse uh, perversion that we're going to be a light in the midst of this kind of world. And I think that That's true for us. Even celebrating the United States today, that's true of the United States. That's true of the state we are, probably more so than I can remember in history. But when we keep this in mind and thinking about us being a light, we have to have the right picture of us being a light. Okay, so let's take a look at this other passage that's kind of similar. It's in Matthew chapter 14. uh, uh, Matthew chapter 5, verse 14. It says, You are light of the world a city on a hill cannot be hidden okay why do i point this out because jesus says we are the light similar to philippians chapter 2 but then look at this verse john 8 12 then jesus again spoke to them saying i am the light of the world he who follows me will walk will not walk in darkness but will have the light of life so when we look at ourselves being the light we're only a light because he is a light. So whose light are we shining in this perverse and crooked generation? Whose light are we shining when we're the light of the world where a city set on a hill? Whose light are we shining? We're shining God's light. And that's really important for us because if we think we're shining our light, we have the wrong picture. Okay, so I don't know if you've ever been to like a concert or an auditorium where they are like Okay, this is back in the day. Back in the day, they had like lighters, right? And then you'd have a lighter and everybody had the lighter on. But now what do they use? Everybody uses their cell phone, right? So they put on their little flashlight and everybody kind of flashes their light and they're all kind of going back and forth. It's kind of cool, right? You look around the whole stadium and everybody's got the little light. And that, that could be the picture of what you're thinking about when, of the, the church and all those Christians. We all have our little light. But if we all come together and put all our little lights together... It kind of looks bright. It kind of looks like cool. It kind of illuminates things. And if that's the picture that you have that the Bible is saying, that's a wrong picture. That's not what the church is about. The, the church is not saying that we are this little light that by itself is so little you could barely see it. And if we could only just put all our little lights together, then maybe we could shine something that could, the world could kind of see. That's not the light that we have. Let's look at this illustration. Okay, so I remember I was walking in the mall by my house, and I don't, you, I don't know if you've ever seen this, okay, so this mall by my house, I saw this bike, okay, and then this bike, you can get on this bike, and then you could pedal, and then you could charge your cell phone, okay, so you can kind of plug in to this one thing on the thing, you you pedal as hard as you can, and it generates electricity, okay, man-made electricity, so you're going on this bike, and then you're Riding this bike, you're riding this bike, you're riding this bike, and then generates electricity. Okay, so I kind of looked up this thing, like, what, how much electricity can you actually produce riding this bike? Okay, so I looked it up, and it, it said if you were to ride as hard as you possibly can for one hour, it could light up a typical average house for five hours. And I was like, wow, that's pretty cool. So, okay, so think about it. If you were to ride this bike and you were to go nonstop for a whole hour for 60 minutes, and you were to go nonstop pedaling, 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 you could actually generate enough electricity to power an average house for five hours. And he's like, well, that's pretty good. Let's compare that to the sun. One hour of the sun's power can power a house, that same house for 11 billion years. That's the difference between our light and God's light. And I want to ask the question what kind of light do you have? When you view yourself, what kind of light are you producing? What kind of witness do you think you have? What kind of thing do you carry? When you go out into the world, what are you carrying with you? Are you carrying your own light? And if you think you're carrying your own light, then there's a reason why we're so powerless. There's a reason we don't want to speak up. There's a reason we don't want to open our mouth. There's a reason why we're so afraid. There's a reason why we feel like the things that are going on in the world are more powerful than God. They're more powerful than our faith. They're more powerful than the Christian beliefs. There's a reason. It's because of our wrong perception, our wrong view. We're thinking that we have the little flashlight on the iPhone, that that's the light that we have. Is that what Philippians chapter 2 says when we are shining bright? Is that what Jesus says in Matthew 5, 14, when he says, you are the light of the world? Is that what Jesus meant when he says, I am the light of the world? I don't think so. I don't think so. So it's very convicting. And I'm preaching to the choir. I'm speaking to myself because that's exactly how I view it too. That's why I don't step out. That's why I believe if it really depended upon me, I can see why I'm hesitant. And I can see why it's going to be hard. And I can see why it's going to be coming against like things that are going on in the world that are super big and super powerful and super dark, right? And you can see why I won't want to do that. But then that's when we have to go back to the word and to see what's really true. What kind of light do we carry? Do we carry our light or do we carry God's light? It's the difference between these two pictures here. It's the difference between this, where you work super, super hard and then you can generate a little bit, or is it like this, where you're actually doing nothing. The sun is doing everything. But the question is, are you receiving the Son? Do you have the Son alive in you? Do you have the God of Isaiah 6 living inside of you? Do you have God's presence, the one that that spoke a word and created the heavens and the earth, that spoke it into existence? Do you have that kind of God inside of you? Or do you have something man-made where you're doing it and you're manufacturing it? Do we have that kind of light depends on how we're viewing ourselves and how we're viewing God. Look at what Paul says here. He says, we're going to be a kind of light. But what's interesting to me when you look at verse 14 is the kind of light that he talks about. Let's take a look at that. He says, do all things without grumbling or disputing so that you will prove yourself blameless and innocent children of God above reproach in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among you will be pure as lights in the world. That's a mouthful. But it's interesting to me is, look at how he's saying our light is going to shine. This is kind of interesting. He says, do all things without grumbling or disputing, then you're going to be this kind of light. And I'm thinking, really? If we're just not grumbling, if we're not complaining, if we're not disputing, that's going to be a light? And I was thinking, that doesn't make any sense, Paul. What are you talking about here? But then I was thinking about a little more is, what is he really saying? He's saying, don't do this, don't grumble and don't dispute, don't do those things. But if you're not doing those things, then what are you going to do? What's the opposite of that? What's the opposite of grumbling and complaining? It's thanksgiving. It's gratitude. It's recognizing those things when all the things are going bad, when all the things that are going in a dark place. Then you're going to be a light. And This is important. The reason I shared a lot before I shared this last part is we have to recognize what kind of light. Because when we're talking about thanksgiving and gratitude, what I mean is a supernatural thanksgiving, a supernatural gratitude. Okay, let's look at an example. This example is in Acts chapter 16. Okay, so right before this passage, Paul and Silas are in the city. Okay, and they come across this this servant girl who's demon possessed. She can read the future, right? And so they cast out the demon from this girl, and she can no longer read the future. And so her uh, the slave owners they're really upset because uh, she was like making money for them, right? She was like telling the future, and then people were paying, and then they were getting a lot of money. So they got really upset. So they went to the government officials and, and really. Uh, brought this accusation against Paul and Silas. So as a result, Paul and Silas got arrested. Then they go, and this passage starts. Then the crowd rose up together against them, against Paul and Silas, and the chief magistrates tore their robes off them and proceeded uh, to order them to be beaten with rods. When they had struck them with many blows, they were then thrown them into prison, commanding the jailer to guard them securely. Okay, so this is the set. This is the stage that we wanted to do. Okay, so they get arrested. They're falsely accused. They're then persecuted. They were beat with rods. Okay, so they're beaten with rods. And then they were thrown into a prison. Most likely, it's kind of like a dungeon. Okay, it's like, that's the kind of feel it. Is. It's like a dungeon. Okay, so then where do we see Paul and Silas? And he, having received such a command, threw them into the prison to fastened their feet to the stocks, But about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns of praise to God. Supernatural thanksgiving and gratitude. They're just arrested. They're falsely accused. They're physically beaten to a pulp. They're thrown into a dungeon. They're shackled with chains. They're chained against the guards. And what do they do? They're praying and they're singing hymns of praise and worship to God. This is the kind of thing that will make you a light. When you have this supernatural thanksgiving and gratitude amidst your circumstances, amidst the darkness that's going around you, This is the light. Look at what happens. They're singing, they're praying, they're singing hymns of praise to God and the prisoners were listening to them. The other prisoners were listening to Paul and Silas and then suddenly there came a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison house were shaken and immediately all the doors were open, and everybody's chains became unfastened. And when the jailer awoke and saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because they thought the prisoners were gotten away. Supposing that the prisoners had escaped, but Paul cried out with a loud voice saying, Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. And he called for the lights and rushed in. And trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. And he said, after this, he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Now, when you look at this passage... I think, like I said, this paints a good picture of what Paul talks about in Philippians chapter 2, about being a light. And being a light is not grumbling, it's not complaining, because when things are going bad, you have every reason to, to complain. And I know that I do that too. I complain, and I grumble, and, and I argue, and, and things like that. But when we can really be led by the Lord and to really recognize his presence in the middle of that, we can recognize him and we can praise and we can worship, then things happen. That's what happened here. Paul and Silas, after they were thrown in prison, they were, they were praying and that they were worshiping God. As a result, other prisoners saw. As a result, God shook the foundations of the cell and a great earthquake happened that broke apart all of their chains so that they would literally be set free. The jailer was so afraid that the prisoners had gotten away that he was going to kill himself. Then he comes to Paul and Silas and asks them, What can I do to be saved? Okay, how much easier it is to be able to share the gospel when they're coming up and asking you, How can I come and to be saved? So he shares with them, he prays with them, and the jailer, him, and his whole household become saved. Look at what happens when you release supernatural thanksgiving and gratitude salvation happens freedom happens chains are broken god is moved you experience the power of god working in your life when you can go against the trend of what everybody else is doing which is complaining and grumbling and disputing if you can do that and instead you can have supernatural thanksgiving and gratitude You're going to be a light. But you're not going to be your own light. You're going to be God's light. You're going to demonstrate his power, what he can do. When we can actually worship in the middle of those situations that we're going through. When we can worship and say, God, you're still faithful. You're still there. You're still present. When we can say those things, it's true worship. You ever heard of like when we think of like praise and thanksgiving? Do you know that they're not the same thing? Praise and thanksgiving is not the same thing. So, thanksgiving is what happens after the fact, after God has moved, after God has saved you, after God has delivered you, then you have thanksgiving. Praise is what happens when you do it before God delivers you, before He shows up. That's praise. We want to have both praise and thanksgiving we want to be thankful for the things that god has done for what he has shown but we also want to have praise we also want to thank him before he does those things before he shows up in the middle of the dungeon when we have the chains when we're in the dark place when we release that kind of praise god's presence and power shows and people will say witness and people will see. So I just want to invite you to do that today, you know, as we close and uh, as we pray to, to recognize and to release that. So, Father, we want to just invite you to come right now. Come be with us exactly where we're at. You know, even if we have been in, a, in an attitude of complaining Maybe even this morning that we were complaining and we were grumbling. Maybe those things that have been going around us have gotten the best of us and have really determined uh, our attitude and our perspective. But we pray this morning that we would have a turn of heart, that instead we could replace it with a supernatural praise and thanksgiving, that we could worship you because you are good even when our circumstances are not, that doesn't change who you are, that you're faithful, that you're good, that you're praiseworthy. So, Lord, we want to just declare that with our mouth and our lips, and even as we sing the song, I pray that in our hearts that we would declare just your goodness and your faithfulness in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray.